everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Now, as most of you know, we are going state by state, in some cases county by county, trying to find the Democratic congressional candidates who, frankly, are exciting. They're most of the time first-time people who are running for office. As you've heard in some of our other interviews, they're excited about running. They're passionate about it. And this week is no different. We have Ryan Watts. Now, we're going to introduce you to Ryan. I'm actually quite excited about this, talking to Ryan. If elected, the 28-year-old Watts would be the youngest member of the United States Congress. First, he has an upcoming primary election for the Democratic nomination on May 8th. We think that uh, he'll fly through that. I don't think that's going to be an issue. So Ryan will move on. But his biggest challenge is to be un- you know, able to unseat Congressman Mark Walker who's a Republican, and this district has been incredibly red for a long time. But let's be honest, Mark Walker has done very little, if anything, for the people of the state of North Carolina and his district. And I think that's where this red seat in a very red district with a 28-year-old millennial might very well be a winnable district. Speaking of districts, Ryan, it's great to to have a chance to talk to you. Give us an idea about your part of North Carolina. And, of course, that would be North Carolina 6. Well, Jim, I could could get into the the individual counties with you, but uh, that might just be confusing. So, uh, essentially, District 6 is right in between uh, Greensboro and Raleigh. The county is right in between Greensboro and Raleigh and also uh, kind of up to the border of Virginia. So uh, from those counties in, in between, up to the border and over, uh, and, and I live in Burlington, North Carolina, which is part of Alamance County, just uh, just also next door to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of an oddly drawn and also gerrymandered district uh, in North Carolina. Well, your goal is to be the congressman of that gerrymandered district. and um, And let's start by looking at some of the things you're most passionate about. I mean, uh, one of the things I was impressed as I looked at your website was that you're not afraid to um, put the issues out there that are most important to you. Why don't you tick off some of the things that you feel most important and most germane at this point in time as the people of North Carolina get ready to vote uh, coming up here on May the 8th uh, in the Democratic primary? Well, you know, I think the reason I got into the race was Mm -hmm. that I looked around at at the leadership that we had, and and obviously, you know, there are some great leaders both in North Carolina and in Washington, but on the whole, really lacking. And uh, leadership doesn't um, 
doesn't always mean that you have to be the oldest person in the room. Uh, it often just means that you do the right thing for people and that you listen to people. And so I knew that there was an opportunity for better listening leadership in in Washington, certainly. And, and certainly the incumbent uh, doesn't do any of that. Uh, and then second of all, I knew that the future of this country was going in the direction that I wasn't happy about. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and not to be too too dramatic, but uh, I, I certainly thought that from a an education, a healthcare, an economic, environmental, uh, you name it, uh, I was very concerned that mm-hmm. we were headed in a direction that that mm-hmm. uh, was positive. So from an issues based perspective, I mean, look, we're, we're leaving workers behind. Uh, we have been for a long time. Uh, if you are working a full time job in this country, you should not mm-hmm. have to make decisions between putting food on the table and uh, paying your power bill and paying for health care, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that, that transitions us into health care. We need to make sure that every American has health care. There's a lot of different ways we could go about that, but the bottom line is everyone should have health care. And kind of the overarching uh, theme uh, of a lot of my issues is education because if you aren't educating children the right way uh, on a global scale, there are going to be problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if other countries are rapidly um, taking major strides in education, and we have not in some time. So mm-hmm. uh, that's going to hold us back in the future, and our campaign is all about empowering our future. And uh, you know, right now, we, we haven't done a good job of that. Ryan, you're 27 years old. You've fallen 28 into... now. <laughs> 28? I'm sorry. I missed your birthday. Happy birthday. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> the, uh, you represent the millennials, which you know are the largest voting group in the country. Right. You're, an, you're a very energized, very accomplished young man. As you look at it at 28 years old, not 27, but 28 years old, now that you're a year older and you're wiser, and you've been out on the, con- uh, the you know, campaign trail, are you looking at this as something that is a generational aspect or is it something that you just look at it and say, look, I've got clear new eyes on this and there are things here that just absolutely have to be fixed? You know, that's a really good question. And I get a lot of questions about a lot of different things. I, I, mm-hmm. I thought I'd heard it all. Uh, that's a new one. And uh, so I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to take a fresh crack at it. I, I think the answer may be both. I hope okay. that the answer is both. Uh, mm-hmm. From from my perspective, one of my goals, uh, honestly, in this whole thing was to hopefully inspire other young people to run for office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be the I would be the youngest member of Congress elected since Joe Biden when right. he was elected to the United States Senate at twenty nine. So, not a bad, not a bad uh, role model. No, not at all. Uh, and uh, so, from that perspective, you know that was one of our goals. On the other hand, you know, since Parkland and right, all of this other stuff. I, I mean, people often ask me early on, "How are you going to get millennials who are notoriously apathetic to vote?" And I said, "Well, if I can't get them to vote, I'm going to have a bigger problem." Right. Uh, right. But but I think that a lot of that is happening. A lot of the activation, a lot of the stars are aligning for young people who have been brought up very well. 
by mm-hmm. their grandparents and their parents who who are the most inclusive and accepting generation in American history who really just care about one another and ca- love thy neighbor, right? I mean, yeah. those are the things that millennials uh, have been brought up to be. So uh, amongst all of our faults, there's a lot of strife. So I hope that it is both uh, a trend, and I, but I also think that there are some things that, that we wanted to help accomplish, and if that can help spur the larger trend, you know, we'll, we'll say mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. With regard to um, North Carolina, uh, the great former Speaker of the House, Thomas Tip O'Neill, wonderful line, all politics are local. What are some of the yep. local issues in your district that um, that you've been peppered with mm-hmm. as you've gone out and, and really dived into the campaign trail? Uh, so I'll highlight two for you. Uh, okay. The first is uh, high-speed internet. Okay, uh, Broad, so broadband's up there. Absolutely. I mean, this is a very rural uh very rural district. I mean, there there are certainly mm-hmm. some really great cities and towns within the district, but mm-hmm. uh, for the for the most part, it's very rural. I'll tell you a story. Uh, there was a county commissioner uh, up in Caswell County I had lunch with, but a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and and he said, you know, these these folks from uh, one of the telco companies came out and dug a ditch in the back of his yard, and, and he, he approved it, of course, but uh, mm-hmm. they were laying high speed internet lines. Uh, and it occurred to him later that he should have asked, will I be able to access this high-speed Internet wire that is literally in a ditch in my backyard? The mm-hmm. answer eventually was no. There is high-speed Internet run all over these rural counties, but because of the, the telco lobby, both in mm-hmm. Raleigh and in Washington, these rural communities don't have access to them. And there's a lot of consequences with that. Number one, businesses are less likely to come to these rural places. Businesses mm-hmm. might like to be there, but they can't because the internet doesn't isn't fast enough for them to operate effectively. And sure. it's also a, it's also a huge issue from an education perspective. It is now the number one contributor to the achievement gap in in, in America is people who do not have access to high speed internet and internet ready devices. So mm-hmm. those are two major issues, and uh, or that is one major issue. The second major issue is uh, not as relevant to the rest of America as broadband is, but it's mm-hmm. mega sites, mega development sites. There are three uh, undeveloped mega sites in North Carolina uh, that that basically sit in between four of the eight counties uh, in, in this district. And um, none of, so when Toyota Mazda was picking between mm-hmm. Out the Alabama site they eventually chose, the other site they were picking between was here at, near the Greensboro, uh, Asheboro area in North Carolina. Right. And I, so I, I had to ask, you know, the, the, the folks uh, who were leading the charge to get Toyota Mazda there, I had to say, mm-hmm. hey, did Mark Walker or Ted Budd, the other congressman from, from Greensboro, ever show up to try and help? And the mm-hmm. answer was no. And so for, for, for big business, quote-unquote, Republicans that like to tout their, their economic prowess and their mm-hmm. economic job building and all, and all of this stuff, you know, they didn't do anything. And, and the thing about it is, you know, that's my background. My background is working with businesses to make good decisions mm-hmm. to in, interact with them. And that's something that members of Congress should actively be doing, and that's not something the current congressman is doing. Maybe you can answer a question for me about Congressman Mike Mark Walker. 
Um, clearly, he's been someone that uh, the people of the area has liked because they keep sending him back. Um, I got to tell you, I'm pretty good at finding out stuff with regard to uh, people in Congress and um, statewide offices. This guy, and again, I could be wrong. Mark Walker, I'm not, I can't pinpoint any major legislation he's been a part of since he's been in Washington. You're right. Uh, in, in fact, his, uh, his government report card from 2017 uh, just came out on govtrack.us. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, had zero bills uh, that he either wrote or co-sponsored make it out of committee or even get to a vote on the floor, which is especially mind-boggling considering he is in charge of the I can't remember if it's the largest or the second largest Republican caucus, the Republican Study Committee. Right. Uh, typically, leaders in Congress would be much more active in, in doing that sort of thing. So that is very perplexing. Uh, I, I do find it also interesting that uh, he has risen as fast as he has in leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because he looks good on camera and, uh, and, and, he's, and he's charismatic. And I like to think I've got both of those things going for me as well. But typically, you want people in leadership positions to be thought leaders, to be mm -hmm. the people that are putting legislation out there, that are listening to people in the district and saying, what do we need to do about all the issues? This district has so many problems. What mm -hmm. am I going to do to help address the problems of the district? And he hadn't done anything. He's done nothing. So, yes, he looks great on camera. I'm sure the Republican Party would love for him to rise to the rank, run for the United States Senate, you know, who knows, maybe be Speaker of the House. But fortunately, the Republican Party doesn't make decisions about who rises. Uh, the mm -hmm. American people make decisions about who's going to rise. And if they're paying attention, they're going to realize that Mark Walker is not fulfilling the things he said he was going to do. In fact, he's often and almost always doing the opposite of the things he said he was going to do. We'll be back with more right after this from Sling TV. Sling TV is America's number one live television streaming service. And I'm here to tell you that I am proud to be a slinger. That's right. Slinging is about breaking norms and connecting people with TV that satisfies through choice and control at a reasonable price. It is a way of life. Anyone can be a slinger. I invite my friends to enjoy the choice and control that only Sling TV can offer. Hey, millions are doing it, folks. You want freedom, right? Well, Sling gives you the freedom and the choice to craft just the right package that fits your interest. If you're a newsie, you've got CNN, you've got MSNBC, you've got Bloomberg, you've got CNBC, you've got HLN, you've got BBC World. That's just to name a few. If you're a sports person, hey, no problem there. You've got the ESPN family of networks, Fox Sports Networks, NBC Sports Network, and much, much more. Lifestyles, HGTV, Food Network, Travel Network, Lifetime, Entertainment. There you go. You got TNT, TBS, USA, Comedy Central, A&E, plus much, much more. Multiple languages, no problem. Sling has 22 different languages at the lowest price on the market anywhere. So give Sling TV a try today. I will bet that you're going to be a slinger just like me for a very, very long time. So go to sling.com. 
That's sling.com and check out how to be a slinger today. We're back with Ryan Watts, who's running for Congress, North Carolina District 6. You know what? Um, just a little five-second civics lesson for those of you out there. I've been covering Congress for almost 28 years. It is physically almost impossible not to be able to go for an entire year without at least co-signing a bill because everybody wanders the halls, making sure they get 10, 15, 20, 25 different names on a bill. So, right. so for you not to have a name on a bill, it's it's almost as if, you know, you literally don't walk through the halls of Congress. That it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, setting aside the fact that he doesn't have town halls here in the district, setting aside right. the fact that his staff in his district offices won't answer questions about where he stands on issues, which is bad leadership once again, you mm-hmm. tack on to the fact that he's in Congress and he's not even working with other people to get stuff done. I mean, what is the guy working for? Who is the guy working for? The answer is because 85% of his money comes from special interests. Uh, the answer is that's who he's working for. And that is why we as a campaign are doing the exact opposite of those things. We are having town halls like on April 7th. We're having, mm-hmm. uh, we are on the panel for the town hall to address gun violence, which is a, a follow-up from the March for Our Lives. That's why we've been in every county. That's why we're listening, and that's also why uh, we are taking no special interest money. Let's talk about, you just brought it up. Uh, I was at the march um, here in D.C. Uh, tremendous amount of uh, support, tremendous amount of enthusiasm. Uh, I've seen marches before. And I've seen, you know, enthusiasm before. Um, You're in an area of North Carolina, which is very pro-gun. No question about it. Um, So, my friends, how do you approach what's, you know, is clearly a movement for common sense gun legislation versus an NRA that literally um, has... And I, I hasten to use this word, but I'll use it in the proper term, uh, target their opponents by literally not debating anyone on the merits, but by simply attacking them in the most vile possible ways. First of all, uh, I stand with the students. Mm-hmm. Anyone who, who claims to be a constitution-loving American who does not embrace the fact that we have young people who are passionate that does not embrace their their exercising of free speech and freedom of expression in this country should be ashamed of themselves. That's number one. Number two is I am a gun owner. Mm-hmm. I've passed a concealed carry weapons permit uh, class. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a proficient shooter. I like to go skeet shooting. I, mm-hmm. you know, have been hunting. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but I've been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of this district, to your point, and a lot of North Carolina, to, to your point, is mm-hmm. uh, our gun owners and our supporters of the Second Amendment. I am not against the Second Amendment. I don't know many Democrats who are. Uh, 
the thing about the way the Supreme Court has interpreted the Second Amendment, it does allow us to take action on common-sense gun reform. And mm -hmm. the vast majority of Americans support legislation in that, in that regard. 96% of Americans, or maybe it's 94% in the latest poll that I just saw, uh, all support uh, universal background checks. 86% uh, of people support banning of, of military-grade uh, accessories like bump stocks and, and, mm -hmm. and military-grade silencers. Uh, there's even a growing momentum for saying any weapons of war, any military-style weapons should not be available for public purchase. And, and look, I think that I could make that argument for that, but I think here's another great idea that actually a Republican brought to my attention. Uh, we, were at, we were at Elon University, and we had a town hall mm -hmm. on gun violence just afterward. We had the president of the College Republicans, the College Libertarians, the College Democrats, mm -hmm. and a variety of other students there. And uh, this, this young man, uh, this young Republican said, I've been to a gun show. Um, you know, the loophole is a problem. The, the background check loophole is a problem. But there are, there are vendors who are repackaging accessories that are illegal to be made to look legal and selling. Mm -hmm. another, then another student said, and oh, by the way, you know, what happens, if, what happens if we're not just talking about mass shooting? What happens if we're talking about murder or, or suicide? Well, mm -hmm. we need law enforcement to be able to, to come into those crisis homes and say, hey, let's confiscate these weapons at least temporarily. If you're considering suicide, let's make sure that, you know, we don't have guns in your home. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, if there's a domestic abuse situation, let's make sure that you don't have a weapon to hurt your, your partner. So there's a lot of room for progress mm -hmm. in this country. And any American who's looking around and seeing what we're seeing in, in California yesterday with YouTube right. or, mm -hmm. or in Parkland, I mean, all of this stuff is going on. And so we have an obligation as leaders in this country to step up and do something about it. You know, Ryan, um, I'm sure you're aware of it. One of the things that um, I think when people start going after uh, those of us who respect the Second Amendment, but don't necessarily believe that you need to have um, these weapons of war. Um, I always look back and say, look, in 1995, Ronald Reagan joined Jimmy Carter and Gerald Ford in pending a letter to Congress that eventually got the assault weapons ban, uh, you know, that was passed in 96 and that sunsetted in 2003 uh, through. So you've got an, a conservative icon. Nobody could ever accuse Ronald Reagan of being against right. the gun lobby. He was the first president ever nominated, um, supported, I'm sorry, uh, by the NRA. And even after he, the attempted, you know, attempted assassination of him, he still wouldn't you know, back down on the gun situation. But he made that differentiation in 95 and signed the letter. And in some ways, it was his, you know, pushing that got that um, weapons ban through. Now, fast forward to the point you're talking about earlier about Heller versus uh, D.C., which is the holding case, um, having to do with gun, um, what you can and can't own. And it was written by Anthony Scalia. He wrote the majority opinion. 
in the majority right. opinion, if you read the majority opinion, and one of the things about Scalia, like him, dislike him, whatever, he always wrote phenomenally interesting <laughs> opinions. Um, in the final couple of paragraphs of that opinion, written by Justice Antonin Scalia, Scalia points out that the Second Amendment does not and should not include every gun ever made, and specifically, he used the term weapons of war or, right. or weapons that could be made to be like weapons of war do not and should not be covered under the Second Amendment. So you've got Reagan and you've got Scalia, the two most quoted people in the conservative movement, and yet they, the point that they made is being totally forgotten, plus seven states in the District of Columbia have banned weapons of mass destruction, weapons of war, whatever assault weapons, whatever you want to call them. In those seven times, the, the NRA took them to court all seven times they lost. Four of those times, they attempted to get it kicked to the Supreme Court, and all four times, the Supreme Court, three of those four times, with Scalia on the court, kicked it back. Right. So I don't understand. I, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe you can help me with this. Well, you know, it, it, it's uh, I don't I don't know how much I can help you, but I'll try. <laughs> I, I I think one of the most interesting things about politics in America right now is how people choose to make their arguments, mm-hmm. right? And and picking and choosing. It, I've always been taught, you know, to, in order to make an opinion, I I needed to zoom out, right? I needed to take huh. the, the the broadest view possible and mm-hmm. say, okay, what all can I consider? And, you know, it's really not that difficult to do that. I mean, you, you can get opinions from all over the place, right? But mm-hmm. uh, you also have to get facts from all over the place. You have to say, okay, how am I going to narrow this down? Where, do, where am I going to figure out where I sit? And I got to tell you, you know, the thing I hear most often is, well, what about in Chicago, Illinois? Chicago, Illinois has a, has a high, you know, murder rate. And, sure. and so they have some of the strictest gun laws in all mm-hmm. of America. Uh, D.C. has also people have used that argument. Sure. Um, but 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 funnily enough, uh, we have a uh, a situation where mur- the murder rate in Chicago has actually been on the decline for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know that's really interesting. But it's because the gun laws are not uniform in every state that we sure. see differences. And so that is my biggest argument for why federal legislation is needed. Because mm-hmm. if states are different, then it's very easy to drive across the line in Illinois to to Ohio or or Indiana. To Michigan yeah. and Indiana and get and, and drive it back. That's that's a really easy thing to do. No question. All right, Brian, let's uh, do this. Um, we've talked about your stance on many of the issues. Um, I'm going to give you a minute here. Take a little longer if you like. Um, Give, make the case for why North Carolina and the people of the lovely 6th District of North Carolina should make that you their next congressman. Well, it's, it's becoming clear uh, that we have a lack of leadership in this country, and we have a lack of listening leaders. Uh, I, I've, I've talked a lot about Mark Walker today. Um, right. I, I don't think he's remotely qualified to serve in Congress. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, he he's demonstrating that both from his his background. Uh, his, his background as a pastor, I respect the heck out of. Look, this isn't a personal attack on Mark Walker. No. Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my grand mm-hmm. my grandfather was uh, not only a chaplain in the Navy, but also a a minister in the Southern Baptist Church, and uh, he taught me everything you know that I know about Christianity. And mm-hmm. he taught me that Jesus healed the sick, he fed the hungry. He recognized the most marginalized in society. That's the Christianity that I know. Uh, and he was also a missionary in Africa. What what I don't see is those values being reflected in Mark Walker's votes. He's consistently voted to take people's health care away. He does not support people in traditionally marginalized communities. And he, he talks like it, but he doesn't his, his record does not reflect it. So I would encourage him when he loses this November to go back home, serve mm-hmm. the church, because uh, he, he certainly, you know, that's a very valid mission. Uh, why should I, they vote for me is we need new leadership in this country. We need new ideas. We need people who are going to listen to them, who are going to be held accountable to them, who are going to show back up in the district, who is going gonna, is gonna to sponsor and write more than one piece of legislation a year, who has an appreciation for where the economy is moving because that is my background. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I work, I've worked in 30 different states. I know what's, what's going on around the country and what's working and what's not working. I, I've retrained thousands of workers myself. Uh, I've worked with nonprofits to come up with plans so that they can be prepared for the coming 20, 30 years. Uh, we need forward thinkers. We need strategists. We need people who, who know that America is being left behind. Uh, we are in a dif- difficult place right now, but if we come together, if we listen to one another and we work together, we can get back on the right track, And but it's going to take new leadership to do that. Ryan, you come from a very strong Republican ba- um, battleground state here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you can turn to blue? Well, uh, you know, I know you wouldn't sure be running if you didn't think you could try. So that part, <laughs> well, that's, that part I, I get. That's fair. Um, I will tell you that Connor Lamb's district up in Pennsylvania 18 mm-hmm. uh, is a couple percentage points less competitive uh, statistically than our district is. Uh, mm-hmm. So that bodes well. We're in one of the three or four most competitive congressional districts in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that bodes well. Uh, you know, interestingly, the district is split into a third on voter registration basis. So mm-hmm. um, a third in, or unaffiliated third Republican, third Democrat. Mm-hmm. So in a blue wave election year, anything is possible. But I think there's a lot of unaffiliated voters, even Republican voters, right. who are starting to wonder why they voted the way that they did mm-hmm. and are looking for a common sense alternative or looking for somebody who mm-hmm. – who, who does believe in fiscal responsibility, but also knows we are not doing nearly enough to help people that are being left behind uh, right. with wages and education and health care. So mm-hmm. with that being the case, I think there's going to be a lot of people who show up and say, yeah, you know, let's give this guy a shot because what we've got right now isn't working. Ryan Watts, do me a favor before we leave here. Give me your social media. How do people follow you? How do people... Get to your website. Give me the whole spiel on how to get in touch. 
Well, pretty pretty easy, so we can uh, save you some air time. <laughs> but that's it's good. Watts, wattsforcongress.com. That's W-A-T-T-S-F-O-R congress.com. Uh, you can also find us that way on Facebook, facebook.com slash wattsforcongress. Mm-hmm. And then also on Twitter, uh, watts, the number four, congress is our username. We really appreciate the follows. We really appreciate the shares. Uh, we really appreciate people spreading the word and contributing uh, to our cause because the next generation of leaders has been brought up well, and we're here, and we're ready to serve. Ryan, thanks a lot. And uh, obviously, you know, keep checking in from time to time because uh, we want to keep you on the radar because I believe you're one of the uh, up-and-coming stars in the Democratic Party and you're very, very uh, much interested in how things work out. Well, I really appreciate you, Jim, and uh, thanks for your time today. The Politically Incorrect podcast will continue right after this from Sling TV. Sling TV is America's number one live television streaming service, and I'm here to tell you that I am proud to be a slinger. That's right. Slinging is about breaking norms and connecting people with TV that satisfies through choice and control at a reasonable price. It is a way of life. Anyone can be a slinger. I invite my friends to enjoy the choice and control that only Sling TV can offer. Hey, millions are doing it, folks. You want freedom, right? Well, Sling gives you the freedom and the choice to craft just the right package that fits your interest. If you're a newsie, you've got CNN, you've got MSNBC, you've got Bloomberg, you've got CNBC, you've got HLN, you've got BBC World. That's just to name a few. If you're a sports person, Hey, no problem there. You've got the ESPN family of networks, Fox Sports Networks, NBC Sports Network, and much, much more. Lifestyles, HGTV, Food Network, Travel Network, Lifetime, Entertainment. There you go. You got TNT, TBS, USA, Comedy Central, A&E, plus much, much more. Multiple languages, no problem. Sling has 22 different languages at the lowest price on the market anywhere. So give Sling TV a try today. I will bet that you're going to be a slinger just like me for a very, very long time. So go to sling.com. That's sling.com and check out how to be a slinger today. That brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Um, If you haven't yet subscribed, look, we make it easy to do. First of all, shame on you. You should have already subscribed. But if you haven't yet, all right, here's what you can do. First of all, it's free. Second of all, go to the iTunes store. We're part of the Apple Podcast family. Happy to be there. Google Play. Next up, Blog Talk Radio. You can be one of the 35 million people who downloaded the Stitcher Podcast app. Just search the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Bingo. We can be part of your Stitcher family right there on your Stitcher app on your phone. Now, If you're one of the 172 million people, myself included, who've downloaded the TuneIn app, well, then all you have to do, again, is search the Politically Incorrect Podcast, hit favorites, and every week we will have a new Politically Incorrect Podcast sent directly to your tablet, to your phone, or to both, okay? So we make it easy. It's free. Five different places to get it. Please go out and subscribe to the Politically Incorrect Podcast today, okay? All right. Thank you very much. And speaking of thank yous, we owe a big thank you to Ryan Watts, who's running for Congress in 
District 6 in North Carolina, as I said before. May 8th, they will have a primary. We don't think that Ryan's going to have any problem with that. And we will undoubtedly speak to him again before he heads into the November race against Representative Mark Walker. And our hope is that he can turn that seat into Carolina blue. Okay. So coming up on some shows in the next few weeks, we're going to be out in California. We'll be back in Florida. We'll be in Texas. And uh, also along the way, we're going to catch up with some of our good friends from Showtime's The Circus, that entire crew. And also from Showtime, my cartoon president. So plenty of fun and outstanding stuff coming up right here on the Politically Incorrect podcast. We hope that you take the time to subscribe and we know you're going to have fun listening. And by all means, if you are a candidate running for office and a Democrat, we want to talk to you. So hit us up on Twitter, where you can find me at JWMediaDC. That's JWMediaDC on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, which is in our show notes, as well as um, Tumblr, all on show notes. So check it out there. So for Ryan Watts and for the entire gang here at the Politically Incorrect Podcast, I'm Jim Williams saying thank you very much for your time this week. And we will join you next week with another candidate running for Congress. And we try to make Congress blue come November 2018. Until then, see you next week. 